500 years ago, an amazing human being was born in Spain. His name was Miguel de Cerveto, most commonly known as Michael Cervitas. Today, I want us to unite with people across continents who are honoring the 500 year of the birth of this true 16th century Renaissance Spaniard, scientist and theologian, and one of the most important figures of the Reformation. His profoundly revolutionary ideas for which he became a martyr are at the root of our religious freedom and paramount in our beliefs as Unitarians. The first time I heard about Servitas was in 1979 during a late-led service. After that, all I remembered about him was that he had been a physician. After today, I hope you remember more than that about him. Years later in seminary, I was feeling like a theological orphan without a Unitarian or Universalist family of origin, envying those who identify themselves as cradle or long, long time Unitarian Universalist. Soon though, I was led to Professor Alicia Magnari Forsi. She invited me to learn about Servitas. It didn't take long before I was totally immersed and fascinated with the life and writings of my newly discovered Spanish theological ancestor. I was surprised realizing that his complete works had never, had never been translated into, Span into, I'm sorry, into English. I was studying about Servitas in the only translation into Spanish of his Christianism Restitution or Restoration of Christianity, his major work. He wrote his opus, of course, in Latin, and so this was the only translation into Spanish. That is why Alicia asked me if I could translate for her and for the students those passages that I found most important. It was exciting opening windows for others into Servita's writings. Better yet, it was claiming as my legitimate ancestor this towering figure who has been hailed as the, as the greatest savant of his century and as one of the greatest mystics of all times. Historians have called Servitas the founder of comparative geography and one of the literary criticisms of the Bible. He was a public lecturer in geography, math, and astronomy. Engaged in the practice of medicine, he cured many patients of great illnesses and showed great devotion to all those ill of the plague in 1542. He wrote the famous treatise of the syrups in medicine, became an anatomist and a skillful dissector and discoverer of the small circulation of the blood. His persecution by both the Catholic and Protestant churches and political leaders in Geneva has been called the most celebrated case of Protestant persecution. Servitas was born in Villanueva de Sigena, Spain, approximately September 29, 1511. No adequate data is available on his private life as a child or as an adult. 
What is known, though, is that at the age of 14, he left his birthplace and never returned. Born under the sign of the Archangel Michael, Servitas felt called to a spiritual fight to defend the freedom of conscience and to the restoration of the church to its original values. Unlike in our times in which religion is separated from science, during the Reformation, these two fields were totally intertwined. One can find all to Servitas' life the most interesting and peculiar instances of how science, religion, and theology were mingled often in detriment of science. When they commissioned Servitas to revise the important treatise Geography, written by Ptolemy, he included in his version some of the contributions contained in a former edition. One of these was the description of the area containing the Holy Land. Based on accounts made by travelers and merchants, Fries, a Dutchman editor, had concluded that Palestine was a land that was uncultivated and sterile, and that though a promised land, it was a land of not promise. These words were used later at the trial in Geneva to accuse Servitas of having defamed Moses. And these weren't even his words. Another instance of mingling science and religion occurred when Servitas was chosen to edit the Bible translated by Sante Pagnini, a brilliant intellectual Dominican monk. In the preface, Servitas explains that what the Hebrew prophets said referred to the actual period in which they were living and not to the future. This contradicted the idea, still prevalent even now, that the prophets were announcing the Messiah and predicting future facts in the life of Jesus. Through the Bible, Servitas, throughout the Bible, Servitas added explanatory notes to aid the reader in the understanding that the, that the aim of the scriptures was the glory of Christ. Servitas' work was well received, and they considered Pagnini's Bible a superior work of scholarship. However, theologians at Lovain saw heresy in what Servitas had said about interpreting the words of the prophets as related to the past when they live and not to the future. Pagnini's Bible and Servitas's important contributions were condemned almost to oblivion. The following is the most ironic and tragic circumstance in which theology for truth were at odds during Servitas' life. While he was studying jurisprudence in Toulouse, he was concerned about the problem of the Muslims and the Jews in Spain. The Spanish Inquisition persecuted and put to death those who didn't want to accept Christianity. Servitas knew that Jews and Muslims believe in one God, and therefore one major obstacle to their conversion was the acceptance of the dogma of the Trinity. Coincidentally, in Toulouse, Servitas became acquainted with the Bible through the evangelicals. With his knowledge of Hebrew and Greek, he immersed himself in the teachings of the Bible. When he did not find the doctrine of the Trinity spelled anywhere in the scriptures, with great relief he wrote his famous treatise, 
his famous treatise on the errors of the Trinity, and he was 20 years old. He thought, I'm going to save all these lives because there is no such thing as the Trinity. Soon after his publication in 1531, they declared Servitas a major heretic, making him a victim of religious persecution. For about 20 years, he was in hiding and exile in several countries in Europe. He contemplated coming to America, but decided to stay, and rather than to escape persecution, to fight against the oppression inflicted by the church on those who did not accept its dogma. A delicious irony occurred while Servitas was hiding from the Inquisition, living in Vienne in the palace of the Bishop Palmier. While he was practicing medicine and behaving like a most faithful Catholic, he was taking voluminous notes for his definite work, The Restoration of Christianity. In this work, he states that humans are free with certain limits, that God never was driven by prejudice against anyone. He says, we must conclude that God has true justice and mercy with all his creatures. He is the law of the heart, the law of hope. He writes that everybody can reach salvation through deeds. Sounds familiar? And that, in fact, we can become divine by partaking of the body of Christ. He says Jesus and the Holy Ghost were aspects of the divinity, but that they were not two persons, parts of the Godhead from eternity, as the orthodoxy wanted Christians to believe. He even went as far as to say that all those who believe in the trinity of three equal but different persons were atheists, since they did not really believe in the one true God. The fifth book of Servitas' famous Restoration of Christianity contains perhaps the most outstanding example of the mixing of theology with science. There, he explains how the Holy Spirit infuses us with life and reaches our brains. This is how he described his discovery of the small circulation of the blood. The living spirit is produced by a mixture in the lungs of inspired air with blood, which the right ventricle of the heart communicates to the left. However, this communication does not take place through the middle partition of the heart, as it is commonly believed. But by a grand device, the blood is driven from the right ventricle to the heart of the heart by a long curse throughout the lungs. Servita was making a theological statement how the spirit is produced and goes to our brains. But he was using his knowledge of anatomy. Without intending it, with that clear and brief explanation, he marked a revolutionary step in the knowledge of the anatomy of the human body. Servita's statement contains the following important discoveries. The middle portion of the heart is not permeable as formerly believed. The blood passes from one side of the heart to the other and through the lungs by the network of the pulmonary arteries and the pulmonary veins. The artery that carries the blood to the lungs is large enough for the entire bloodstream. 
and the change in color through aeration takes place in the lungs. According to Alcalá, an erudite on Cervitas, the most modern Spanish doctors that had praised the importance of Cervitas as the discoverer of the pulmonary circulation of the blood have shown surprise at the fact that such an important page in the history of medicine appears in an strictly theological context. Unfortunately, because of that fact, these discoveries did not circulate and receive the recognition they deserve. This was so because the church burned all the copies of the restoration of Christianity, save three that miraculously appear somewhere, as the work of a heretic. The surviving copies are at Vienna, Paris, and Edinburgh. And they are in Latin, of course. Servitas' doctrine of the Trinity his aversion to infant baptism and his belief that humans could attain divinity through Christ caused great uproar between Catholics and Protestants alike. Servita's picture of humans alienated Calvin even more than his view of Christ. The union of humanity and the divine was for Servitas an elevation of humanity, but for Calvin was a degradation of divinity. In the end, it was Calvin who handed Servitas to the council in Geneva, which condemned him as an Anabaptist and as an anti-Trinitarian. These two charges carried the death penalty and the Justinian Code. We, the syndics, judges of criminal cases in the city of Geneva, having witnessed the trial conducted before us at the instance of our intendance, against you, Michel Servet, to be the lift of the country of Aragua in Spain. But having seen your voluntary repeated confessions and your hopes, Judge that you, Servius, have for a long time promulgated false and thoroughly heretical doctrines, despising all remonstrances and corrections, and that you have, with malicious and perverse obstinacy, so indulged even in printed books, opinions against God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in a word, against the fundamentals of the Christian religion, and that you have tried to make a schism and trouble the Church of God, by which many souls may have been ruined and lost. A thing horrible, shocking, scandalous, and infectious. And you have had neither shame nor horror of setting yourself against the divine majesty in the Holy Trinity. And so you have obstinately tried to infect the world with your stinky, heretical poison. For these and other reasons, desiring to purge the Church of God of such infection and cut off the rotten members, 
having taken counsel with our citizens and having invoked the name of God to give just judgment, speaking in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we now in writing give final sentence and condemn you, Michael Serpitus, to be bound and taken to chapel, where you will be attached to a stake and burned with your hoops until nothing but ash remains. And so shall you end your days and provide example to others who might commit the life. He was burned at the stake on October 27, 1553. Fearful that he might recant and lose his soul while being burned, he asked the council to execute him by the sword. They not only denied his request, but the wood, the wood that they used to burn him was green, causing him much more suffering. According to the records, William Farrell accompanied Servitas to the stake, advising him all the while to repent. Servitas was silent. He was bound to the stake with an iron chain. They attached his book to his arm, and they wound, they wound a stout rope four or five times around his neck. From the flames, they heard that, the, that he prayed, that he prayed, O Jesus, thou son of the eternal God, have pity on me. Pharaoh said that if Servitas had said, O Jesus, thou eternal Son of God, they might have saved him. As we honor Servitas' memory today, let us remember that we are the heirs of, this, of his doctrine of the exclusively personal responsibility of each individual for his or her faith and salvation. Let us honor with our deeds his defense of universal freedom of conscience as the highest divine participation. Like Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha who quested after an impossible dream, Servita's quest was to make it easier for Muslims and Jews to accept Christianity without the impediment of the dogma of the Trinity. He ended pain with his life for that. Let us honor Servitas by removing obstacles in the religious path of those who are longing for a faith like ours. Let us say to them, Ben, mi casa es tu casa. Come, my home is your home. Let us together search freely and responsibly for our own truths. Let us act on Servitas' desire to include and bring together those of different cultures, languages, and creeds. Let us continue here at First Parish learning about and accepting and including Palestinians and Jews and their supporters, as well as Latinos, Asian, African-American, and people of any other ethnicity that might want to share life with us. Servitas, at one point, wanted to escape persecution by coming to America. However, he decided to stay and fight for his ideals. Like him, let us fight from within. Let us stay with courage and conviction, working to make things better, rather than abandoning that which we consider worthy of our efforts.
It seems that Servitas was the first to call God father and mother. He wrote, Christ performs for us the role of father and mother. He's everything for us, father, mother, brother, husband, friend, Lord, teacher, king, pontiff, all. In the kingdom of heavens, he is all in all, and he complements everything in us. His amazing integrity exposing the errors of the Trinity and his valor and peacefulness facing death for his beliefs is a gift to humanity and particularly to Unitarians. Whether persecuted or, howly, or highly praised, Servitas, the physician, cared for the terrible sick, terribly sick during the time of the cholera epidemic. Let us extend our healing compassion to the sick and the suffering. Let us, like Servitas, live lives of conviction, integrity, and spiritual fulfillment through a loving relationship with the divine light that dwells within and among us. Let, us, let that light shine on everyone we meet so that our world may become a radiant, luminous place of abundant grace. Amen and blessed be. I think we might have time, a little time. So I would be interested in hearing if somebody wants to share any thoughts or experiences with what we just, we just said. Anybody wants to say something? Well, this is a miracle, the first time that a bunch of Unitarian Universalists and Seekers don't say anything given the opportunity. <laughs> Things happen. Well, I can say that this for me was very emotional because, like I said, I felt like an orphan and being not having roots that I could call my own except when I was a Catholic. So having discovered this giant, this person that was so amazing, and that has been my line through all these five centuries. People hate him because he was arrogant, because he was this, that, because uh, he fought the Trinity, of course. And um, so when I discovered this, this person in my life, it was just amazing. So I feel very honored and very complete now. Somebody wants to say something? So I have two reflections. The first is that um, I was overcome with a, um, a thought towards the end of the story about um, my own personal struggles and plights and um, the reality that my obstacles are nothing compared to those of many others, especially you know, a life like Cervera's let. Um, so that perspective I appreciate. Thank you so much for that. And um, the other thing that, um, that, it, that I thought about as a result of you sharing this story today um, has to do with uh, my, my elevator speeches when I talk to others about being a Unitarian Universalist and being a pagan. 
And hearing stories like this give me even more strength to be even more willing to share uh, the foundations of my church and the openness of our spiritual practice with the people that I work with, the strangers that I meet in the taxi, the people on the street, when I say church and they ask where I go, and I say, first parish, you, you, and they look at me and they go, what's that? So thank you. Thank you. I felt it was very, well, it was very moving to hear the level of violence in, you know, an earlier time, and I felt grateful that uh, we don't have that level of violence, and uh, uh, I don't know that, or not as much, and um, I'm not sure I can live up to uh, such a hero. You could. <clears throat> All right, thank you for your sharing. <clears throat>